part four of henry wirtz commander of andersonville confederate prison trial and execution by united states army staff judge advocate part four closing statement of judge advocate prosecutor part three evidence of rebel officers and soldiers i turn now to the testimony of the rebel officers and soldiers on duty at andersonville colonel alexander w persons of the rebel army the first commandant of the post who remained there until the latter part of may says that after he was relieved he returned there again and drew a bill for an injunction and when called upon to explain for what reason replied to abate a nuisance the graveyard made it a nuisance the prison generally was a nuisance from the intolerable stench the effluvia the malaria that it gave up and things of that sort the view here presented must strike the court as graphic indeed when without regard to the question of humanity or inhumanity involved persons living in the vicinity of andersonville could gravely begin a legal proceeding to abate the prison as a nuisance on the ground mainly that the effluvia arising from it was intolerable colonel george c gibbs who afterwards commanded the post gives evidence on this point no less important he was assigned to duty in october eighteen sixty four and although the number at that time was greatly diminished he speaks of the prisoners being badly off for clothing and shelter and in other respects destitute prior to this time some time in july he had visited the stockade and he uses this language in regard to its appearance then i rode around it on three sides i think and could see into it from the batteries that commanded it i never saw so many men together in the same space before it had more the appearance of an ant-hill than anything else i can compare it to record page eighty four manuscript page sixteen nazareth allen a rebel soldier on duty at andersonville during the summer of eighteen sixty four fully corroborates these opinions and further in relation to the location of troops above the stockade and its effects on the prisoners says the cook-house was above the stockade and a good deal of washing was done up the branch consequently a good deal of filth went down some of the troops were encamped on the stream above on the side of the hill and the rain would wash the filth of the camps and sinks into the stream which would carry it through the stockade i have seen the prisoners using it when it was in this filthy condition the stench was very bad i have smelt it when i was at our picket camp about a mile in a straight line it was so bad that it kept me sick pretty near all the time i was round the stockade the soldiers preferred picket duty to sentry duty on that account william williams dillard another rebel soldier on duty at the same time fully confirms this he was on duty both on parapet and on picket and had opportunity of observation in reply to a question as to the condition of the stockade he says it was as nasty as a place could be on one occasion i saw a man lying there who had not clothes enough on him to hide his nakedness his hip bones were worn away he had put up two sticks and fastened his coat over them to keep the sun off his face 
there were a good many lying down sick and others waiting on them the crowded state of the men and the filthiness of the place created a very bad odor i have smelt it at the depot about a mile from the stockade record page eight oh one manuscript page three twenty seven again he says the stream that passed through the stockade ran between the first and second georgia regiments and finland's battalion and passed the bakehouse all the washings from the bakehouse went right through the stockade and also the washings from the camps the pits used by the men were not five steps from the stream sometimes when it was rainy it was thick with mud and filth from the drainings of the camps inside the stockade record page eight o one manuscript page three thirty calvin honeycutt another rebel soldier on duty from april eighteen sixty four to april eighteen sixty five who was on duty at the stockade and also on picket corroborates the testimony of his comrades james mohan a rebel private afterwards made a lieutenant who was on duty at andersonville for about five months during the summer of eighteen sixty four gives similar testimony and john f heath regimental commissary with the rank of captain on duty from may till october eighteen sixty four fully confirms the testimony on this point already given evidence of residence of georgia samuel hall a prominent gentleman residing in macon georgia whose sympathies he tells us were from the beginning with the rebellion and who held a high civil official position says when first i saw it the prison in the month of august it was literally crammed and packed there was scarcely room for locomotion it was destitute of shelter as well as i could judge and at that time there was great mortality among the prisoners record page eight sixty four manuscript three fifty two rev william john hamilton also gives important testimony as to the condition of the stockade which he visited in the capacity of a priest he was there in may and at different periods subsequently he says i found the stockade extremely crowded and a great deal of sickness and suffering among the men i was kept so busy administering the sacraments to the dying that i had to curtail a great deal of the service that catholic priests administer to the dying they died so fast i waited only upon those of our own church and do not include others among the dying the stockade was extremely filthy the men all huddled together and covered with vermin the best idea i can give to the court of the condition of the place is perhaps this i went in there with a white linen coat on and i had not been in there more than ten minutes or a quarter of an hour when a gentleman drew my attention to the condition of my coat it was all covered over with vermin and i had to take my coat off and leave it with one of the guards and perform my duties in my shirt-sleeves the place was so filthy record page nineteen sixty nine manuscript page eight seventy again giving an illustration of the sufferings of the prisoners and especially the effect of the intense heat of the sun he says i found a boy not more than sixteen years old who came to me for spiritual comfort without jacket or coat or any covering on his feet suffering very much from a wound in his right foot 
the foot was split open like an oyster and on inquiring the cause i was told it was from exposure to the sun in the stockade and not from any wound received in battle on returning to the stockade a week afterwards i learned that he had stepped across the deadline and requested the guard to shoot him he had no medical treatment nor had any others so far as i could see to whom i administered the sacrament in the stockade again he says on my second visit i was told there was an irishman at the extreme end of the stockade who was calling out for a priest i tried to cross the branch to reach him but was unable to do so as the men were all crowding around there trying to get into the water to cool themselves and wash themselves and i had to leave the stockade without seeing the man the heat was intolerable there was no air at all in the stockade the logs of which the stockade was composed were so close together that i could not feel any fresh air inside and with a strong sun beaming down upon it and no shelter at all of course the heat must have been insufferable at least i felt it so the priests who went there after me while administering the sacrament to the dying had to use an umbrella the heat was so intense record page nineteen eighty one manuscript page eight seventy ambrose spencer a gentleman of prominence in his state residing near andersonville during the war and a frequent visitor to that place gives us a graphic picture of the prison which i cannot refrain from quoting he says i had frequent opportunity of seeing the condition of the prisoners not only from the adjacent hills but on several occasions from the outside of the stockade where the sentinels grounds were and in reply to a question asking him to describe the condition of the prison he says i can only answer the question by saying that their condition was as wretched and as horrible as could well be conceived not only from the exposure to the sun the inclemency of the weather and the cold of winter but from the filth from the absolute degradation which was evident in their condition i have seen that stockade after three or four days rain when the mud i should think was at least twelve inches deep the prisoners were walking in or walking through that mud the condition of the stockade can perhaps be expressed most accurately by saying that in passing up and down the railroad if the wind was favourable the odour of the stockade could be detected at least two miles record page twenty four fifty five manuscript page ten forty nine there are others of this class who testify upon this point but it would seem useless to give further extracts evidence of union prisoners we come now to the fifth and last class of testimony upon this point this embraces the experiences and personal observations of the soldiers of the union who were themselves sufferers i will not allow an inference to be drawn that these witnesses are not to be believed by attempting a defence of their credibility with two exceptions in persons and a few in the details of immaterial facts i believe this evidence will bear the closest scrutiny with regard to the subject now being examined viz the condition of the stockade and the hospital gentlemen of the highest intelligence and professional attainments have told you upon the stand that it is indescribable 
and i cannot therefore doubt the strongest colouring given by these injured men many of whom exhibited to the court evidences of their sufferings when they undertake to add their personal experience to the testimony of science if a score of these men had come upon the stand unsupported with feelings embittered against their captors and given their tales of horror the world might well doubt but when they come from all arms of the service from all parts of the country and without collusion and in numbers overwhelming and are not only not contradicted in any material fact but are supported by concurrent testimony from all sources their evidence is entitled to the highest credence let no man ever say that andersonville was overdrawn by these men i hope it will not be considered out of place though it may not constitute a material part of the argument to give a complete list of these sufferers who have testified readers note here follows a half page of names and their units it is not my purpose in this connection to enter into a detail of the sufferings the acts of cruelty inflicted and the inhuman treatment they received or to inquire by whom these things were done reserving that for its proper place in the argument i shall simply refer to this testimony to assist us in ascertaining more certainly the horrors to which these brave men were subjected dr a w barrows hospital steward of the twenty seventh massachusetts regiment an acting assistant post-surgeon at plymouth north carolina arrived at andersonville on the twenty eighth of may and remained there six months owing to his knowledge of medicine and efficiency he was paroled by the prisoner and assigned to duty in the hospital his testimony is important as showing the condition of the hospital mainly but he has also given some material evidence with regard to the stockade and from it i make the following extract i remember when there have been as many as from seventy-five to a hundred who died during the day in the stockade and who were never taken to the hospital that was in the month of august robert h kellogg entered the prison on the third of may eighteen sixty four and remained there until the following september he says we found the men in the stockade ragged nearly destitute of clothing totally unprovided with shelter except that which tattered blankets could afford they looked nearly starved they were mere skeletons covered with skin the prison seemed very crowded to us although there were thousands brought there after that they were in a very filthy condition indeed there were but two issues of soap made to the prison while i was there when we first went there the nights were very cold that soon passed away as the season advanced and during the summer it was intensely hot there were twenty-one rainy days in the month of june our supply of fuel was not regular nor sufficient we were allowed to go several times under guard six men from a squad of ninety to bring in what we could find in the woods on our shoulders but the greater part of the time we had to rely upon our supply of roots we dug out of the ground or grabbed for in the swamps pitch pine roots rations were issued raw many times without fuel to cook them 
the squad of ninety of which i was sergeant went from the thirtieth of june to the thirtieth of august without any issue of wood from the authorities record page three sixty one three sixty two manuscript page one thirty four one thirty eight again he says the quality of the rations was very poor the quantity greatly varied there were days when we got nothing at all i made a note of at least two such days there were other days when we got but very little other days enough such as it was when my regiment went there the men were healthy they gradually sickened until i remember one morning at roll-call out of my ninety there were thirty-two who were not able to stand up this resulted principally from scurvy and diarrhoea this was on the twenty first of august a number of the men of my squad having died up to that time the mass of the men had to depend on the brook for their water it at many times was exceedingly filthy i have seen it completely covered with floating grease and dirt and offal after the prisoners had been there some time they dug some wells and there were some springs along the south side of the prison on the edge of the hill by the swamp but the supply from that source was entirely inadequate they supplied the wants of a few of the four hundred men captured with me more than three hundred are dead they died in prison or a few days after being paroled and that is a larger percentage of living than there is in many regiments the twenty-fourth new york battery which was captured at plymouth was nearly annihilated record page three sixty seven manuscript pages one thirty four and one thirty nine this is the simple unvarnished narrative of perhaps as intelligent a witness as has been upon the stand he has written a book entitled life and death in southern prisons which has been used extensively by counsel for the accused i do not want to burden the record with a recapitulation of all that these witnesses have testified to but i think it can be safely said that not one word of robert h kellogg's testimony has been or can be disproved there are many of his comrades who fully confirm him without adding any special facts that would tend to elucidate this point these i shall omit in this connection there are others however who have additional facts bearing on this subject and i beg your indulgence while i refer to them boston corbett's testimony brings out some facts to which i will first call your attention speaking of the heat he says it was so great that i have the marks upon my shoulders yet record page four twenty five manuscript page one sixty six of the brook and the swamps bordering it he says it was a living mass of putrefaction and filth there were maggots there a foot deep any time we turned over the soil we could see the maggots in a living mass i have seen the soldiers wading through it digging for roots to use for fuel i have seen around the swamp the sick in great numbers lying pretty much as soldiers lie when they are down to rest in line after a march in the morning i could see those who had died during the night and in the daytime i could see them exposed to the heat of the sun with their feet swelled to an enormous size in many cases large gangrene sores filled with maggots and flies which they were unable to keep off i have seen men lying there in a state of utter destitution not able to help themselves 
lying in their own filth they generally chose that place near the swamp those who were most offensive because others would drive them away not wanting to be near those who had such bad sores they chose it because of its being so near to the sinks in one case a man died there i am satisfied from the effects of lice when the clothes were taken off his body the lice seemed as thick as the garment a living mass and again the water in the stockade was often very filthy sometimes it was middling clear at times i would go to those who had wells dug sometimes they would give me a drink sometimes they would not they used such rough language to me that i turned away parched with thirst and drank water from the stream rather than beg it from the men who had wells record page four thirty seven manuscript page one sixty five again the minds of the prisoners were in many cases so affected that the prisoners became idiotic record page four thirty nine manuscript one fifty two on page four fifty two of the record manuscript page one seventy two he says i have taken food given me to eat to the stream and washed the maggots from it i have seen them in the sores of soldiers there and i have seen them in such a way that it is hardly fit to describe to this court too horrible for belief as this may seem to be it stands confirmed by at least fifty witnesses martin e hogan is a witness whom the court will remember as among the more intelligent and at the same time truthful and candid his observations were confined mainly to the hospital but i feel impelled to make a brief extract from his testimony in regard to the stockade he says at the time of my arrival there speaking of the stockade it was very much crowded so much so that you could scarcely elbow your way through the crowd in any part of the camp i noticed a great many men lying helpless on the ground seemingly without care without anybody to attend to them lying in their own filth a great many of them calling for water a great many crying for food nobody apparently paying any heed to them others almost entirely destitute of clothing so numerous that i could not begin to say how many record page five seventy five manuscript page two ten then follows testimony similar to that of boston corbett in regard to the swamp and the vermin in it andrew j spring who went to andersonville in may eighteen sixty four says that upon entering the stockade i found the prisoners destitute of clothing i could not tell in many cases whether they were white men or negroes on the twenty ninth of the same month he was detailed for duty outside after being outside the stockade about six weeks he says i applied to the lieutenant of the guard at the gate and gave him twelve dollars in greenbacks to let me go in and stay an hour to see our boys i went in and spent an hour inside the stockade a great many of the boys were very poor there were some of my own best friends whom i could not recognize till they came and shook hands with me and made themselves known even then i could hardly believe they were the same men i have seen men acquaintances of mine who would go around there not knowing anything at all hardly noticing anything i have seen men crippled up so that they had scarcely any life in them at all they would lie on the ground to all appearances dead 
i went up to several who i thought were dead but i found they had a little life in them james h davidson record page nine thirty six and a half manuscript page three eighty six speaking of the condition of the stockade says i have seen men who had the appearance of being starved to death i have seen men pick up and eat undigested food that had passed through other men all through the camp it came from men who were not able to go to the slough and they would find it all through the camp this it will be remembered is testified to by very many dan w bussinger says i have seen men eat undigested food that had passed through other men they would wash it and eat it pick it up from the sinks record page eleven twenty five manuscript page four ninety without referring to names or going into particulars it may be stated that other witnesses testify to the prisoners watching for the bodies of the dead for the privilege of carrying them out that they might be allowed to return with wood one witness says there was a scramble for this privilege others testify that they paid at the rate of a dollar for a stick of wood three inches in diameter and two feet long and the witnesses of this class testify uniformly not only to the lack of quantity in the rations but to their bad quality and to the fact that very often they were stopped altogether condition of the hospital it is not proposed to enter as fully into the condition of the hospital as might be done from the reports and evidence before us sufficient will be given however to warrant the conclusion that it was very little better than that of the stockade itself and in view of the discrimination which the surgeons were directed to make in the admission of men from the stockade into the hospital we can readily understand why the prisoners almost uniformly bade their comrades farewell when they were taken from the stockade to the hospital the evidence which i shall bring to your recollection will also justify the remark made by one of the surgeons who says that it was really no hospital here also we have recourse to the official report of dr joseph jones in which we find his remarks upon the condition of the hospital quite as lucid and elaborate as those in reference to the stockade after speaking of the stream running through one corner of the hospital stockade and stating that its upper portion was used for washing by the patients and the lower portion as a sink he remarks this part of the stream is a semi-fluid mass of human excrement and offal and filth of all kinds this immense cesspool fermenting beneath the hot sun emitted an overpowering stench north of the hospital grounds the stream which flows through the stockade pursues its sluggish and filthy course the exhalations from the swamp which is loaded with the excrement of the prisoners confined in the stockade exert their deleterious influences on the inmates of the hospital within the hospital enclosure less than five acres he says the patients and attendants near two thousand are crowded and are but poorly supplied with old and ragged tents a large number are without any bunks in the tents and lay upon the ground oftentimes without even a blanket no beds or straw appear to have been furnished the tents extended to within a few yards of the small stream 
which as he before observed was used as a privy and loaded with excrement i observed he says a large pile of corn-bread bones and filth of all kinds thirty feet in diameter and several feet in height swarming with myriads of flies in a vacant space near the pots used for cooking millions of flies swarmed over everything and covered the faces of the sleeping patients crawled down their open mouths and deposited their maggots upon the gangrenous wounds of the living and the mouths of the dead mosquitoes in great numbers also infested the tents and many of the patients were so stung by these pestiferous insects that they resembled those suffering with a slight attack of the measles the police and hygiene of the hospital was defective in the extreme record pages forty three fifty fifty one manuscript page seventeen twenty one again many of the sick were literally encrusted with dirt and filth and covered with vermin when a gangrene wound needed washing the limb was thrust out a little from the blanket or board or rags upon which the patient was lying and water poured over it and all the putrescent matter allowed to soak into the ground floor of the tent i saw the most filthy rags which had been applied several times and imperfectly washed used in dressing recent wounds where hospital gangrene was prevailing it was impossible for any wounds to escape contagion under the circumstances record page forty three fifty four of the treatment of the dead he says the manner of disposing of the dead is also calculated to depress the already despondent spirits of these men the dead house is merely a frame covered with old tent cloth and a few brushes situated in the southwestern part of the hospital grounds when a patient dies he is simply laid in the narrow street in front of his tent until he is removed by the federal negroes detailed to carry off the dead if the patient die during the night he lies there until morning and during the day the dead were frequently allowed to remain for hours in these walks in the dead house the corpses lay on the bare ground and were in most cases covered with filth and vermin record page forty three fifty five manuscript page seventeen twenty one further on he says the cooking arrangements are of the most defective character two large iron pots similar to those used for boiling sugar-cane appeared to be the only cooking utensils furnished by the hospital for the cooking of nearly two thousand men and the patients were dependent in a great measure on their own miserable utensils the air of the tents was foul and disagreeable in the extreme and in fact the entire grounds emitted a most noxious and disgusting smell i entered nearly all the tents and carefully examined the cases of interest especially the cases of gangrene during the prosecution of my pathological inquiries at andersonville and therefore enjoyed every opportunity to judge correctly of the hygiene and police of the hospital record page forty three fifty seven manuscript page seventeen twenty one to show that this frightful condition of affairs did not cease after a great portion of the prisoners were removed dr jones observes the ratio of mortality continued to increase during september for notwithstanding the removal of half the entire number of prisoners during the early portion of the month one thousand seven hundred and fifty seven deaths were registered from september first to the twenty first 
and the largest number of deaths upon any one day occurred during this month on the sixteenth viz a hundred and nineteen afterwards remarking upon the causes of the great mortality among the federal prisoners he says the chief causes of death were scurvy and its results bowel affections and chronic and acute diarrhoea and dysentery the bowel affections appear to have been due to the diet and the habits of the patients the depressed dejected state of the nervous system and moral and intellectual powers and to the effluvia arising from decomposed animal and vegetable filth record page forty three seventy two manuscript page seventeen twenty one he also says almost every amputation was followed finally by death either from the effects of gangrene or from the prevailing diarrhoea and dysentery so far as my observation extended very few of the cases of amputation for gangrene recovered record page forty three seventy eight manuscript page seventeen twenty one the evidence of dr john c bates is important as showing the condition of the hospital he was a rebel surgeon on duty at andersonville from the middle of september eighteen sixty four to the last of march eighteen sixty five embracing a period when it is claimed the sufferings were much lighter than they had been this we have already seen by dr jones's report was not true even after those of the prisoners had been sent away and we shall see from the testimony of dr bates that it was wholly incorrect he says upon going to the ward to which i was assigned i was shocked at the appearance of things the men were lying partially nude and dying and lousy a portion of them in the sand and others upon boards which had been stuck upon little props pretty well crowded a majority of them in small tents i would go to the other parts of the hospital when officer of the day the men would gather around me and ask for a bone i would give them whatever i could find at my disposition without robbing others i well knew that an appropriation of one ration took it from the general issue that when i appropriated an extra ration to one man some one else would fall minus i then fell back upon the distribution of bones they did not presume to ask me for meat at all so far as rations are concerned that is the way matters went along for some time after i went there they could not be furnished with any clothing except the clothing of the dead which was generally appropriated to the living there was a partial supply of fuel but not sufficient to keep the men warm and prolong their existence as medical officer of the day i made examinations beyond my own ward and reported the condition as a general thing the patients were destitute filthy and partly naked the clamour all the while was for something to eat record page one twenty five manuscript page twenty eight dr g g roy whose testimony was before referred to in speaking of the hospital says i found it in a very deplorable condition there was no comfort attached to it whatever many of the tents were badly worn torn and rotten and of course permitted the water to leak through the patients were not furnished with bunks or bedding or bedclothing or anything of that kind record page four eighty manuscript page one ninety two 
he speaks as did all the other medical officers on duty there of the great dearth of medicines but also concurs with most of them in the opinion that medicine was not so much needed as proper diet and he confirms generally the description given by dr jones on the twenty sixth day of september dr amos thornburg assistant surgeon in a report to dr stevenson the surgeon in charge c x number thirty manuscript page nine eighty nine calls special attention to the very bad sanitary condition of the hospital he reports that the patients are lying on the cold ground without bedding or blankets also that we have a very scanty supply of medicines and that the rations are not of the proper kind and not issued in proper quantity on the fifth of september dr j c pellet in an official report directed to the chief of his division c x number nine manuscript page fifty seven says the tents are entirely destitute of either bunks bedding or straw the patients being compelled to lie on the bare ground i earnestly call your attention to the article of diet the cornbread received from the bakery being made up without sifting is wholly unfit for the use of the sick and often as within the last twenty-four hours the inner portion is found to be perfectly raw the meat received for the patients does not amount to over two ounces per day and for the past three or four days no flour has been issued the cornbread cannot be eaten by many for to do so would be to increase the diseases of the bowels from which a large majority of them are suffering and it is therefore thrown away all these men receive by way of sustenance is two ounces of boiled beef and half a pint of rice soup per day under these circumstances all the skill that can be brought to bear upon their cases by the medical officers will avail nothing we have but little more than indigenous barks and roots with which to treat the numerous forms of disease to which our attention is daily called for the treatment of wounds ulcers and so forth we have literally nothing except water our wards some of them are filled with gangrene and we are compelled to fold our arms and look quietly on its ravages not even having stimulants to support the system under its depressing influence similar testimony is given by doctors rice head fluellen and others of the medical corps on duty at andersonville this picture of human suffering might be intensified and presented in different phases if it were not to resort to the testimony of soldiers on duty in the hospital and those who were patients there but nothing can add to the truthfulness of the facts stated as we have shown in the official reports made at the time and made for no other purpose than to call the attention of the proper officers to the facts hence i do not deem it necessary to enlarge further on this branch of the subject End of part three